0: This is KMTT, and the weekly Parshat HaShavuoshir this year, Tavshin Ayn, will be given by Harav Chanoch Waxman. This week's Parshat, Parshat Balak, I would like to discuss the main storyline of Parshat Balak. Of course, the story of Bilam and Balak or perhaps more accurately the story of Biva'an. The Chumash begins here in Perak Kafbet Pasuk Bet with the following Vayar, Balak ben Yisrael And Balak, the son of Sipar, saw all that the Am Yisrael, that the people of Israel, had done to the Amorites. Vayagar Moav, Mipnea Am, Mood, Kiravu. And Moav uh, was very frightened uh, because of the people, because there were many. Vayakats Moav, they were even disgusted or trembled in front of B'nei Yisrael. Vayomer uh, Moab, and of course, the uh, nation of Moab presented a proposal to the Zeknei saying as follows, Now this people will blot out, or has blotted out our entire region, as the shore, as the ox swallows up or blots out the um, the uh, growth of the fields. Of course, as we know, the story goes on. Um, Moab out of fright, Moab, Moab, Moab out of fear, Moab, Moab out of hatred, out of disgust, led by their king, Balak. Um, they present a proposal to Ziknei Midian that along with the Midianites, they will hire Bil'am um, to to curse the people of Israel. Um, as we read in Parak Kathbet, Pasuk Vav, the proposal uh, to Bil'am, Now come, they send to Bil'am, come, curse uh, this people, kiatsumu be many, they mighty, may uchal nakhebo. Perhaps they'll be able to smite them, va'gashenu min ha'aretz and and to chase them out of land. Kiadati eita sher tarich marach veshata r u r. Of course, uh, this first section of the proposal um, that will be made to Bilam to curse the people is only the beginning of the story. The messengers uh, go to Bilam. Bilam asks God. God says no. There are new messengers. Bilam asks again. Bilam eventually goes. Bilam attempts once. Bilam attempts twice. Bilam attempts three times. And the story rolls on and goes on, actually for three prakim of the Torah, um, for almost the entire bulk of Parshat Balak, all the way until and Kavdalipasik uh, where the Torah tells us, Vayakam Bilam, and Bilam up, Vayilech, and he returned to his place, Begam and Balak also returned on his way. So they parted ways. And as we read through the story, and I'm not going to focus too much on the psukim at this point, there's a kind of almost up and down quality to the story, a kind of operatic quality to the story, a kind of stormy relationship that exists between Balak and Bil'am. And, and the three Prakim go on, and certainly this is quite interesting, the relationship between the, sto- the between Balak and Bil'am, um, the proposals, the attempts, etc. But on some level, uh, as we read through these prakim, we should realize that something very strange has happened. In a kind of certain way, we've jumped away from the main storyline of Sefer Bamidbar. If on some level the main storyline of Sefer Bamidbar Um, is the traveling of B'nai Yisrael uh, from Mitzrayim to Eretz Yisrael. Here we have this kind of uh, vignette, uh, or this kind of interruption, this kind of self-contained story. Um, These three prakim, the relationship of Balak in Bilam that seems to come here in the middle. And, until the point where the Gemara in Baba Batra refers to these prakim as Sefer Bilam, what I have called the the story of Balak and Bilam, they call it the Book of Bilam. And the question I would like to try to uh, attack on some level in, in this shiur is, perhaps to put it bluntly, what does it really matter? Who cares? Why is this found in the Torah? Um, and what is the connection uh between the themes of the book of Bilam sefer Bilam the stormy relationship the story of Balak and Bilam found in these three prakim, and the rest of the material found here in sefer Bar, or maybe the kind of major plot lines of sefer Bar. and that kind of is the uh question i would like to discuss the inclusion uh of sefer Bilam here in the middle of sefer Bar, and the connection between the themes of sefer Bilam and the themes of other parts of sefer Bamidbar now, um, there are um, many ways to approach this question. Um, and one of them uh, is mentioned in, in Rashi. Um, but to get to this Rashi, we kind of have to slightly rephrase uh, our, our question. Um, if we go back to Perak uh, Kath Bet, Pasuk Aleph, the verse immediately preceding. Um, the beginning of Sefer bilam the introduction of Balak as a character in the Torah. Kaf Aleph, Pasuk. Perkav Bet, Pasuk Aleph says as So, Yisuke in Yisrael, and B'nai Yisrael traveled, Vayachanu Ba'avot Mo'av, and they dwelt or encamped in arvot Mo'av, Me'ever on the other side of the Jordan River. So the scene, of course, here is the 40th year. Am Yisrael has already arrived, Me'ever Li'ardein Yerecho, on the other side of the Jordan River. And on some level, the, the conquest has begun. Now, if we jump, uh, to immediately after, uh, Balak and Bilam part ways, uh, Perak Pasuk, Perak Pasuk Kafhei, again, Ve'ak Kabila, Ve'ak Veshev, Demukamo, etc. Perak Pasuk Aleph reads as follows, Ve'eshav Yisrael Bashitim, and Amizot dwelt in Shitim, Ve'achel La'am Liznot El Benot Moav, um, and the people began to stray after Benot Moav, And the Torah goes on, And they called to the people uh, to sacrifice their gods. And the people ate, And they bowed down to their gods. Of course, the beginning of per Per-Kafe, Perkafe, Pasik Aleph and on the first 11 verses there, are the story of the Znut, the adultery, that Am Yisrael commits with uh, the foreign women of Moab in Arvot Moav. Um, and the story of the Znut, the theological adultery, the Avodah zarah that B'nai Yisrael commit in that same place, Avot Moab, due to their entanglement with the foreign women. The entanglement with foreign women leads to Znut, or entanglement with foreign gods. And all this happens in Moab. So to kind of rephrase our question, we could theoretically imagine textually that Perkav Bet, Perkav Gimel, uh, we're not found on some level, uh, or we're, we're missing theoretically, and uh, we could uh, have the penei Yisrael arrive in avot moav in parakafet pasik aleph moav and boom jump to parakafet pasik aleph and that's what happened. And uh, there's a sense again that sefer bilam is is interrupts the, the the flow of the action. So Rashi, uh, in attempting to deal with this, uh, tells us the following. In Bamidbar, Per Kaffe, Pasak Aleph, Rashi has the following pithy comment. Liznot uh, el Due to the advice of bil'am, as is mentioned in Perek, in What Rashi refers to here um, is a claim made by Chazal, and it's uh, actually well-rooted in the text of the Chumash, and we will get to this perhaps a little bit later, that the the story of Parakafeh Pasak Aleph and Am, the story of the Znut with the B'not Moab is due to the advice of Bilam, and it comes in the aftermath of uh, Bilam's failed attempt to thwart uh, B'nai Israel coming into Eretz Israel uh, through the through the cursing through the power of speech, uh, and therefore he makes an, another attempt. Um, he uses the attempt of seduction of Am Yisrael found in the story of the Znut afterwards. So there's a certain Chronology. Uh, There's a certain chronological connection uh, between the events that happened in the first part of Parshad de Balak, the attempt of cursing Am Yisrael, and the uh, uh, events that happened in the latter part um, of uh, Parshad de Balak. The the znut the adultery committed by Bnei Yisrael, and that they both are attempts by Bilam to stop Bnei Yisrael, and one follows after the other. And the answer to our question found here is that Sefer Bilam is here because it's part of the story of the traveling of Bnei Yisrael. It's part of the story of attempts to stop Bnei Yisrael, and it's part of the story of the attempts of Bilam to stop Bnei Yisrael. Attempts that in the end of the day will fail, and that would be one way to kind of handle. Um, the inclusion of this lengthy story of Sefer Bilam um, here in Sefer Babin Bar, to uh, deal with it kind of chronologically, factually, thematically, in terms of the traveling, the movement to Israel and attempts by others, or specifically Bilam, to stop that uh, movement. And that would be one approach. However, well, I think this is basically correct. Uh, I would like to offer uh, another aspect, uh, another approach, one which, in some level, perhaps focuses more, or stems more, from a character uh, analysis of uh, Bilam, uh, perhaps more accurately analysis of the relationship between Bilam and God, um, And I think one which is interesting in its own right, but also uh, might in some way cause us to draw some conclusions about the connection between Sefer Bilam on the one hand and Sefer Bamidbar, or the themes of Sefer Bamidbar, on the other hand. So, let us begin uh, by going back to the beginning of our parsha to Perak Kaf Bet, um, uh, Pasuk uh, Zion. Um, when the Zekeinim of Moab and Midian first come to Bilam uh, with their offer to come uh, and curse Beni Israel. so uh, Perek Kaf Bet Pasuk Chet reads as follows: um, And Bilam said to them: Linu uh, Po Sleep here this night. VaShivoti Etchem Davar. Um, and I will return you the word Daber Hashem as God speaks to me, in Bilam and the saremoav dwelt with Bilam that evening. Now, of course, as the as the story goes on, we know that um, God appears to Bilam at night and uh, Bilam makes the proposal to God that he's been invited to come uh, curse this people and of course God responds to in, him in the following way or, uh, and the Torah reports God's response in, in the following way and God said to Bilam don't go Lo ta'or ta'am and do not curse the people. Ki varuchu because they are blessed. Promptly the next morning, Parakafet pasigud yimol. Vayakem bilam baba got up in the morning. Vayomer asarim balak. L'chu el aitzahem. Go to your land. Ki ma'ein Hashem la'titi la'loch imachem. God refuses to allow me to um, go with you. Now, if we ask ourselves, the question is. To what kind of person uh is Bilam? What is the character of Bilam? Well certainly Bilam has a certain perspective as to what kind of person he is. In Parakafbat Pasukhat, Bilam had said, Hashem Eli. He tells the Sarei Muhammad only what God says to me, only what God tells me. I am the willing and loyal conduit of the Word of God. And it is not just that this seems to be Bilam's self-perception, um, but also his actions, uh, and again, his speech to the Sarei in Midian, in Perak Kav Bet, to support this. he got up in the morning, Balak, go away, Hashem God refuses to allow me to go with you. Um, and of course, as we go on, um, Bilam reports this over and over about himself. Let's take a look at a few more examples. There actually are many, many of this kind of thing throughout the story of uh, Balak and Bilam, throughout Sefer Bilam, but just uh, a couple more for right now. Per Bet, Pasuk Yud Chet, uh, says as follows. Um, when the second set of messengers arrives at Bilam's door, and the second set of messengers reports uh, from Balak, why didn't you come? They insulted him. Why didn't, you, why didn't you come? I, I could have honored you. And par kafet pasigur chet v'ya'an bilam, bilam answers the second set of messengers, v'yomer el-avdeh balak, and he said to the servants of Balak, imitin balak Malay beito lo uchal la'avor et pi Hashem elokai la'asot k'tanah Even if Balak would give me a house full of silver and gold, there is no way, lo uchal la'avor et pi elokai. There is no way I could transgress the word, the mouth, the instruction of the Lord my God, la'asot k'tanah o'g'dolah, to do anything. So again here, um, Balak say, Bilam says Avir, there is nothing I can do. And again, we take a look in Parak Kafbet, Pasuk uh, Lamidvav. Uh, when um, Bilam first arrives in the land of Balak why didn't you come? And of course again. Uh, the response of Balak, he had Bilam here in Perak, I have come to you. Can I speak anything at all? Uh, That which God places in my mouth, I will speak. So Bilam says, I speak what God tells me to speak. Bilam says, "Um, I can only do what God tells me. Bilam says, there is no way I can transgress the word of God. And Bilam says again, Only that which God places in my mouth I will speak. So, on some level, we have a sense, uh, at least as um, Bilam uh, presents himself, Bilam is a tzaddik. Uh, Bilam is a willing and absolutely loyal servant of God. He is a conduit for the word of God, nothing more, nothing less, and this is the character of Bilam. Um, However, uh, while on the surface... Uh, this might seem to be the case, there are many indications, both linguistically and thematically, uh, in the story that undercut this profession of Bilam about himself, that undercut or cut against the grain, or really subvert completely, and topple uh, this image that Bilam, uh paints of himself. And there are at least three that I would like to focus on, um, and many of that are pointed out by the mafarshim. but let us take a look at uh, at least three that, again, I think are quite key in undercutting uh, the image of Bil'am as the loyal, willing, humble servant of God. Um, to begin, let us take a look at the text in Perkafbet, bet Yud and a key phrase that we have already uh, touched upon. Uh, so going back to Perkafbet, Pasuk Yud Chet, um, Bil'am, it said, the Torah says as well, Vayan Bil'am, and Bil'am answered, Vayomer al Avde Balak, to the servants of Balak. If, or even, if Balak would give me a house full of silver and gold, lo uchal la'avor et pi Hashem elokai lasot k'tana u'g'dola. There is no way I could transgress the word of God to do k'tana u'g'dola. Now, point of fact, this is a, a, a phrase that Bil'am later on repeats in defense of himself in Per Pasuk Yud Gimel. After uh, Balak and Bilam uh, have have separ- are beginning to separate already, where Balak is already angry at Bilam, Bilam offers a kind of defense of himself. Per Kaftalad Yud Bet says as follows and uh, even to original messengers, I spoke the following. Uh, I, I could, you know, even if Balak would give me a house full of silver and gold, uh, there is nothing I could do. Tova good or bad, for my own heart. Which, of course, is quite similar uh, to the phrase here, if not identical. The that avor. Um but at the same time there's a certain sense, here yeah, we think about it, that what does Bilam, even though he says, Oh, even if you would give me a house full of silver and gold, why does um Bilam talk about money? Why is he talking about price? And why does he talk about the Lo'uchal <laughs> Avorat Piy Hashem? And I, I can't transgress the word of God. Um and he mentions the Ktana ogdola or the tova or the ra later on in Parak uh ends. and Every time I think about this, although it isn't a kind of linguistic connection, thematically um, I am brought back all the way to Sefer Breshit to kind of an interesting uh, maybe thematic parallel. We take a look in Sefer Breshit in Parakaf Dalet Pasuk Nun we find there something interesting. Um, The story there of the Ebed Abraham who comes to the house of uh, Betuel and Lavan to negotiate for uh, the hand of the daughter for the hand of Rivka on the on behalf of Yitzchak. And in Parak Kavdalid Pasuk uh, Nun we find the, the first answer of Lavanu Betuel. And the Torah there says in Kavdalid Nun Vayan Lavanu Betuel Vayamru and they said Me Hashem um, Yitzahadavar This came out from God. Lo nuchal daber alecha We cannot speak Good or evil. So there's a certain sense that sometimes something is decreed by God, there's a certain power, a deity that exists, that goes against the innermost wishes of people, and uh Lavan and Betuel really don't want Rifka to go, as we see later on from the delays that the family attends, let her stay a week or, or a month or a year, as the case may be. Um, but lo nu we have no, we're caught. We're, we're stuck and we're forced into a path of baby that's actually against our own true desires. And the phrase is ra'utov. We can't say anything about it, ra'utov. And I think this kind of echoes on some level or foreshadows on some plane what will happen in the Bil'am story later on. We're again here in Parak Kafbet, Pasir and later on in Pasir uh, Gimel. Bil'am says, oh, even if you would give me a house full, of silver and gold, I can't transgress the word of God. But of course, on some plane, Bilam would like to, and this, on some level, already begins to undercut the character of Bilam. Now, uh, a, a second point um, and a crucial one in our story as well, in Kaf Bet, Pasuk Kaf Aleph, when Bilam uh, eventually goes well in the second round of negotiations, in the second time God appears to him, Parakafet Kaf says as follows: well Vayavo. And God came to Pilam at night. Even the crow, the chabowan, Hashem, if they came to call you, come, lech, itan, go and get up, get, get up and go with them. Um, but that which I tell you to speak, you should do. Pasuk Kafalaf. Bilam, ever the obedient servant, says, Kafbek Kafalaf, Bayekam Bilam Bilam got up in the morning, Atono. He saddled his donkey, And he went with the Sarei God became angry that um, he went. And he placed a messenger, an angel of the Lord in his path to to block him. wait a second. In Pasuk Kaf, God tells him to go. There's a journey command of kum lech itam. Go with them. And in Pasuk kaf aleph, we're told, ve'ekem bilim baboker, and Bilam does exactly that. V'ye'lechim sarim, he goes, he fulfills the divine command. Yet nevertheless, Pasuk kaf bet, ve'ichar afelo kim keolech, God is angry because he went. Why is, um, God angry, uh, because he went? It's rather unintelligible. So Rashi says it's because he named his price of the house of silver and gold a few came previously. And Ibn Ezra says it's because um, he had invited the uh, Saray Moab to stay over at night. He should have just sent them right away uh, out of his house because after all, well, God refused the first time. God doesn't change his mind. So uh, he should. Have just, God will obviously refuse the second time and he should have just sent them right out of the house. So both according to Rashi and Ibn Ezra, um, God is angry because um, Bil'am uh, here reflects a kind of desire he's not going for God's agenda but he's going for the agenda of the Saremoav. Um, and on some level, that's implicit in the text here, uh, where God adds the modifier, the mm-hmm. he just goes, and not necessarily to speak the thing that God has told him to speak. He goes for his own agenda, for the agenda of the Saremoav. The Midrash captures this wonderfully on the word, it says, uh, that he goes with them in the deepest sense, and therefore, again, uh, Bil'am is going against uh, the divine agenda and of course on the level of Pshutash, the ultimate sign is that God is angry certainly uh, there's something hidden deceitful sneaky uh, about uh, Bil'am's behavior here now what we're beginning uh, to build up here is that Bil'am is not the loyal willing uh, conduit uh, of God um, but in fact uh, Bil'am is a liar Bil'am is deceitful. Bil'am is echad bepev Echad b'lev. He is one in the mouth and different in the heart. And so there's much that goes on underneath the surface of Bil'am's confessions of tzikut, of righteousness, of simply following in the path of God, being the willing conduit of the Word of God. It is not at all that case. He is not loyal, but rather deceitful. The ultimate proof, of course, for this is a psukim in Dvarim per kaf gimel, where summing up, the entire uh, Bilam story, uh, uh, actually not summing up the entire Bilam story, but in a slightly different uh, context. Uh, in Duran Perk Gimel, Pasuk Dalit, we find uh, the following. Um, in the context of the prohibition uh, of an Amuni or a Moavi, uh, marrying into the community of God. Um, they cannot come into the community of God. Um, they, even the tenth generation cannot enter into the community of the Lord. Why? Because they did not greet you with bread and water, by and not just in hospitality. Because they hired Bilam ben Beor, uh from Ptor Am to curse you. God did not was not willing to listen to Bilam. God turned the curse into a blessing. Now clearly. Um, this Pasuk states that Bilam attempted and was willing and interested in cursing B'nai Yisrael and it was just by the chastei Hashem, the loyalty of God um, and the mercy of God and the love of God uh, that the cursing, curse was turned into a blessing. So, if we add up these three pieces of evidence, um, Bilam's own language, um, the, the naming of the price, the talk of, oh, not being able to, but hinting that he would like to. Um, uh, second, uh, the fact that God is angry in Bilaam does go. Um, and third, the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu in Sefer Tareem refers to the attempted curse by Bilam and thematically the story refers to that. What we realize is the character of Bilam is that of deceit, disloyalty, and hidden agendas. Okay, now what else can we say about uh, Bilam? I think there's a lot more material about the character of Bilam that the story gives us and I'd like to focus on two additional points, in addition to the notion of the deceitful, disloyal, and untrustworthy um, gifted prophet. Um, We have here in uh, Perekh Kafdalid, Pasuk Aleph, the introduction to Bil'am's prophecy, what it is that Bil'am says about himself. In Perekh Kafdalid, uh, Pasuk Aleph, we have the following... Um, and Bilam is always good in the eyes of Hashem, the Lord God, to bless Israel. And we go on. He began to speak. So is the speech of Bilam, the son of Ba'or. So is the speech of Bilam, the son of and such is the address, the speech of the man, shutum open of eyes, this probably means. And there's biblical parallelism here in this poetic portion of the Torah. So Bilam B'no Ben-Ba'ar uh, is parallel, means the same as Nu'um HaGeva Who's the Geva Shutum the the man who's open eye? This is Bilam, the son of Ba'ar. And he goes on, Pazig Dalet, Nu'um Shomei HaImre Kel. Um, so is the speech, so says the one who hears the speech of God. Asher Machazer, that he sees a vision of God seeing, falls, and his eyes are open. So, um, Bilim says regarding himself, that he hears the word of God, and he sees, he sees, he sees, he's a Choseh, and his eyes are open during his prophecy. And another example, in Peret Kavdalet, Pasuk um, uh, another Tadvav and similar, same self-description, same, he knows the mind of the upper one. Billam not just hears God, Bilam not just sees God, but he's Yodea Dat Elyon. he knows the intent or the mind of God. And he sees God, again, the exact same description. So, we might certainly say, that um, Bilam is not particularly um, humble. Uh, he is awake. He is seeing. He is hearing. Uh, he is knowing. Bilam is boastful, as opposed to humble, and he really um, has a good, healthy sense of himself. Now, of course, of course, the question is, how true is this? Well, I think there is a part of the story that tells us that Bilam's self-perception is a complete. An absolute misperception. And what I have in mind is the story of Bilam's journey uh, to Balak the first time around. We pick it up for the moment in Parakaf Bet Pasuk Kaf Aleph. And he went with the Sereimov. And he sends a malach to um, to block him. Now, Kafbet Kaf Gimel says as follows: Vatera aton et Hashem nitzav baderach. And the donkey that Bilam was riding saw the angel of God standing in the way, v'charbo shelufavido, sword in his hand. Vateita aton minaderach, etc. And vayach Bilam et at aton la aderach. And Bilam beats the the donkey to get it back onto the path. Now, uh, why does Bilam beat the donkey? Well, he wants the donkey to get back on the path, but it's as if the Torah wants to emphasize for us, again, Kafbek, Kafhei, following along, says, V'tera atonet malach Hashem. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, and at the end of that, Pasuk, Pasuk, Kafhei, vayosef l'akutav, and Bilam hit it again. Uh, and, and we go on. Pasuk Kafzayim, V'tera atonet malach Hashem, V'tibat stachat Bilam, V'yichar Bilam, V'yachat aton bamakeo. The reason why Bilam uh, keeps hitting the donkey over and over is because the aton sees Vatera appears three times via the aton, and Bilam, the great seer or the great seer s e e r, the great prophet does not see the Malach Hashem. So, Bilam is blind, and the donkey sees more than Bilam. And eventually, this kind of goes on in a kind of hidden, subversive comment on prophecy, or on Bilam's prophecy. Perk says, Hashem et pi'aton, and God opens the mouth of the aton, right? God is supposed to be giving words to Bilam, and instead, God gives words to the donkey. Um... And then Bilam goes and carries on this almost near absurd conversation uh, with the with the donkey, and eventually in Parak, Et Bilam. Then God opens up the eyes of Bilam Vayarat Malach and then he sees the Malach Hashem. Um, as Rashi pithly comments here, Gnail This is all an insult to Bilam. Uh, In other words, uh, Bil'am, it's not just that Bil'am is not humble and that Bil'am is boastful, but Bil'am has a complete misunderstanding of his own prophetic abilities. While he believes that he uh, knows God's mind, that he sees God, that he hears God, in fact, he does not really see as much as the donkey. And the words that come out of his mouth, his prophecy, are no different than the words of the donkey, the dialogue with the donkey, and Bil'am is, in fact, less than the Aton. So, I think much of what's going on here is we find that not just about the character of Bil'am, that he is deceitful, dishonest, and disloyal. Not just, secondly, that he is boastful and arrogant, but third, that his prophecy or his prophetic abilities are no greater uh, in a real sense than that of the Aton. Um, His mouth and eyes are opened no differently than the eyes and the mouth of the Aton, of the donkey, are opened. Now, How does this help all of us? Does this in any way relate to the question we began with at the beginning of the Shi'or, the relationship between Sefer Bil'am and the remainder of Sefer Bamidbar? Uh, I think so. I think yes uh, is the answer to this question. I think it has to do with understanding the fact that much of the middle part of Sefer Bamidbar is concerned with the lifetimes, troubles, and travails of a different prophet. I have in mind not Bil'am, But of course, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. And I would like to go back to Bamidbar, Perak Yidbet, Pasuk Aleph, and that funny little story of Lashon Hara that Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moshe Rabbeinu uh, to make a a couple of points. Of course, Perak Yidbet, Pasuk Aleph reads, They spoke against Moshe, regarding Moshe, because of the Isha that he'd married. And they said, oh, we're not the, Moshe's not the only prophet. He's not a unique prophet. We too are prophets. Why does Moshe make himself special? What's special about Moshe? What has he done? And, almost this preface to God's response, Paragibet Pasuk Gimel, tells us something about what's special about Moshe. Moshe anav And the man Moshe was humbler than any man upon the face of the earth. Now, this is meant as a preface as to why God has to defend Moshe here because Moshe won't defend himself because Moshe is anav. But it's also meant as a key or a hint to what the prophecy of Moshe is all about. It's connected up to his humility. Now, of course, in that story, God calls um, Moshe, Miriam, Aaron, etc., out to the tent of meeting. And then Moshe, launched, God launches into a kind of discourse on prophecy. In Pasuk Vav, uh, God says, Miriam Ba'aron, ba If you prophesy, it is in a vision, in a dream. I speak. Not so with my servant Moshe. He is loyal. Uh, He is able to come whenever he wants. Moshe is the Evid Naaman, the loyal servant of God. Mouth to mouth, face to face. Uh, and not in a vision or a riddle. He really genuinely sees. So, in this little dialogue, uh, or in this little story, we are taught three things about Moshe. First, Moshe is humble. Second, Moshe is the Ebid He is the loyal servant of God. Third, his level of prophecy is immensely great. It is not a dream or a riddle, but it involves genuine seeing, the genuine mouth-to-mouth, face-to-face talking relationship, um, like a man to his friend, that exists between God and Moshe, and only between God and Moshe. And I think the same as the story of the lashon hara of Miriam and Aaron is a kind of discourse on the unique prophecy and the character of Moshe, so too, in a backhanded way, all of Sefer Bil'am is a kind of discourse uh, in a backhanded way on the uniqueness and on the character of uh, Moshe. What Sefer Bil'am does is it provides us with the anti-Moshe, the prophet or Ke'ilu prophet or perhaps prophet or maybe prophet, who is disloyal, who is deceitful, who's not an evid ne'aman. It provides us with a picture of the Ki'ilu prophet, the perhaps prophet, who is not humble, who's not enough, but he's arrogant and boastful. And it provides us with the prophet who, out of his arrogance, his boastfulness, and his lack of loyalty, out of his deceit, whose prophecy is really, in fact, empty. uh, That it's not about seeing God. That it's no greater, uh, no better than that of the donkey, that Bilam is no less than the aton. And in such, it again provides a kind of comment Uh, or kind of ongoing part of the emphasis of the Sefer on the uniqueness of Moshe and the prophecy of Moshe and on the character of Moshe. And I think uh, it maybe in some sense occurs at a crucial time in the Sefer, because in last week's parasha, in Bamidbar, Parakaf, in the story of Meim we have read that Moshe sinned and Moshe was going to be removed from the scene and uh, Moshe hit the rock as opposed to speaking to the rock. And God said, Ya yeah, no, man to be because he didn't believe me. And very soon Moshe is going to pass from the scene, he's going to die, and uh, someone else is going to lead Am Yisrael into the land. But here, at this key point, in the middle of the Sefer, again, we get the reminder that there's Moshe as opposed to Bilam, uh, and that there is something unique about Moshe. I think it comes at a key point in the Sefer, and in this way, it uh, fits into some of the themes here. Okay.